I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You want the upper hand in your fantasy football leagues? Then you've come to the right place. To the right place. You're listening to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Now, here's your host, Faraz Sadiqi and Zach Rizzuto. What's up, everybody? This is the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. This is Faraz. I'm here with Zach. We're going to go over our quarterback rankings, our, our running back rankings, going into week 14. A ever-so-important week for a lot of us to try to get into the fantasy football playoffs. I'm, I'm feeling nervous. Zach. Yeah. Feeling nervous. You're, you're feeling nervous? I'm feeling nervous. <laughs> <laughs> it's bad. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. This the waiver wire that just went through last night did not fall my way and I didn't expect it to. But you know, it's fine. It's not a big deal. We'll we'll work with what we got. I was I was scraping along the waiver wire, just picking guys up that you don't have to, you know, put a claim in for. I was scavenging a bit. But it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you never know, man. Any given Sunday, any given yeah. week. You know, you never know. Um, you know, it's it's one of those situations where, uh, you know, in you know, in a lot of leagues, you know, not just ours, like there are going to be situations where you're feeling kind of good, you, you think you you you, you secured a playoff spot, but as if you don't have that asterisk next to your name, you never know. You never know, and you could you you know if you didn't clinch yet, uh, it's possible that you don't make the playoffs. So we got to try to make the best line decisions that we can. So hopefully our quarterback and running back rankings can help you today. Tomorrow we're going to go over our wide receiver and tight end rankings ahead of Thursday Night Football. And, um, and yeah, man. So we got a little bit of news. Darren Waller, he has a chance to return in week 15. So he'll shoot right back to like a top five, top six tight end, uh, yeah. even though that probably doesn't mean much. Uh, I would check to see if anyone dropped him in your leagues just in case, um, you know, his roster ship isn't, super high so yeah. you know just just check it didn't go below 50 percent or anything like that but it's that sitting around 70 75 on a couple platforms so just 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 check that real quick um the rams claimed baker mayfield off of waivers uh mm. he probably won't play tomorrow night but should have a chance to play in week 15 if they want to have him play um <laughs> unfortunately he doesn't have the weapons to really thrive at all. Um, no. And it's mutual. His weapons also don't have a quarterback for them to thrive either. So right. it's it's mutual. This is That pickup was just to ride out the rest of the season with not undrafted, you know, and backup guy, career backups. It's just to have somebody with a little bit of experience, you know, kind of guiding the offense. The offense isn't going to be any better with Baker Mayfield. It's not like Baker Mayfield changes the trajectory of this offense. It's not like you know, what's his name? I, I forget. Van Jefferson becomes relevant suddenly, or Ben Skoranek becomes relevant suddenly. I, I don't know. Tyler Higby was the only one that I was really kind of thinking maybe you could start just because he is a tight end. And, you know, 
that they've had a rough go of it this season. So I think that Baker Mayfield is just more of the same. It's it's not going to change anything. You can start him maybe if you're in a bad, bad spot. Um, but outside of that, you know, there's plenty of other guys that you picked up this week. Or you could pick up still maybe in like Tyler Huntley, even Brock Purdy. I'd rather start him. So, yeah. And we're talking about two quarterback weeks here. Like there's no way Baker Mayfield will any, any get anywhere close to a top 15 quarterback this season. Um, right. It's not going to happen. So two quarterback leagues, that's the only league he'll be relevant in. Yeah, these are it. guys we're talking about. They're firmly out of the top 24, even I'd say, you know, they're just, <laughs> they're just, you know, out there starts, maybe dart throws, see what you can get this week. We're not talking about starting these guys over hardly anybody else. Um, Seattle signed Wayne Gallman to the practice squad, which makes sense given all the injuries in their backfield. No real update just yet on the, the health of these guys. We don't really know who's going to get the start this week. Um, so we'll kind of update you as, as we go. Yeah. Um, Lamar Jackson, he has a sprained PCL, which is a one to three week injury. Uh, so that was kind of in line of what we thought, you know, kind of coming into the week. But now it's kind of confirmed that he does have a PCL and, you know, he'll be out. You know, it's possible that he's out for a couple of weeks. If you picked up Tyler Huntley, you could start him this week and you could start him over the next couple of weeks as well, potentially. Um, one quarterback leagues and then in two quarterback leagues, if you, if you landed him, you're feeling pretty good about that. Yeah, I wouldn't expect much contribution for the rest of the regular season, at least from Lamar. You know, I, I don't think even when he does come back, that's a knee injury. It's something that's going to hurt his mobility a little bit. And he already wasn't running as much as he has been these past two seasons. You know, he hasn't been um, that big of a threat that he's that we've come to know him to be these past few games. So he's been middling in his production the past few weeks, even, you know, being healthy. But now that he's injured, I, I'm not expecting too much. I'm hoping that Tyler Huntley just kind of stays in now. And the rest of the way stays healthy because if I have Lamar and I picked up Tyler Huntley, you know, I think if Lamar goes back in, he could have some quiet weeks because he was pretty quiet, you know, anyway, going into um, this injury before he was, you know, banged up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can, I can see that. I can see him not running as much. And if he doesn't run, it's going to get ugly. I would, yeah, I would think. Very bad. Um, uh, we'll see. We'll see. I'm not sure. We'll have to see. Because Tyler Huntley, I'm just thinking about, you know, if him starting, that could affect the receivers. Do you think the receivers maybe get a little upgrade? I don't know. Like, we'll have to see how it goes. Sometimes quarterback change can be, you know, I mean, funny, it can't be a downgrade. Thing. Yeah, no, can't. So that's why I was like, Devin can't be DuVernay. Maybe Devin DuVernay? I don't know. We'll have to see. Mark Andrews? Well, yeah, we know Mark, Mark Andrews. Andrews. We, we Mark went over Andrews can, doesn't get yeah. an upgrade. Devin DuVernay can get an upgrade. Um, but, yeah, I mean – you know, we'll see. I mean, Duvernay was peppered a little bit last week from uh, Huntley. We'll see if that continues. We we also saw him pep get peppered by Lamar a few weeks ago. Then the next game, he had like one catch. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Um, Jerry Jones said that he's not confident at all in OBJ's knee. Uh, it's not looking like OBJ is really going to make an impact for fantasy this year. Um, if you have him in redraft, I don't think I'll be holding on to him. Like, just drop him. You know, mm -hmm. he's 50% roster and sleeper right now. I just don't see it with him. Yeah, it doesn't look like it's if it's not the Cowboys, it's not gonna be anybody else. It's not just a Cowboys issue. They're not like, oh, well, we don't want to pay him because you know he's a little banked up. It's the injury situation is to the point where it's gonna keep him from, you know, being on the field. So uh, I think, yeah, drop him. You know, even if you do get any starts out of him, he's not going to help you unless it's like and this is like on the off chance he starts, it would be in the fantasy championship, maybe. I mean yeah. I'm not I'm then, not even sure what the point is. Like, what's the point? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Even if he helps you in the playoffs a little bit, like What's the point? Yeah, I mean, unless you have a receiver that goes down these next few weeks and you need someone right. like you're in playoff position, like 
there's no reason. Like either no, fantasy I, I, or real life. I'm talking about life. Yeah, like in real life. Like what's yeah. the point of the Cowboys? Like what's the point of the Cowboys signing here, to be honest with you? Like there's not. There's not any. Gallup's that, fine. Yeah. Gallup's fine. CD Lamb's fine. Dalton Schultz is fine. The offense is working as is. It would just be a luxury ad, which Dallas doesn't usually do. But I saw a post somewhere. I think it was on in the comment section of one of the fan pages. They're like, they, there was a report that said Jerry Jones was willing to get uncomfortable with, you know, the contract length, the contract amount that he would sign pr- prospectively, you know, sign OBJ for. And um, someone said, man, if only he was that uncomfortable, willing to get uncomfortable with Amari Cooper when he's still in town. It's like, <laughs> yeah, that, that makes sense because the cap space that they had going in the season was exactly what they would have needed to retain Amari. So it makes no sense. We'll have to see. But there's no reason for anyone to really pick up um, OBJ at this point because you're not going to help him in the regular season. And then with Dallas, like you said, like there's no point. There's no need. Like they could, they, they would be better off going to get a corner than they would going to get OBJ. Agreed. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com therapy60. Let's get into our quarterback rankings. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. I have Jalen Hurts here at number one against the Giants this week because Josh Allen goes up against the Jets. Patrick Mahomes goes into Denver. Hurts hasn't played the Giants yet this year, um, but I think it's a matchup he can do pretty well in. The last time Josh Allen went up against the Jets, he did relatively well from a fantasy standpoint, so not really worried about him. Uh, And Mahomes, you know, didn't do well against Cincinnati last week, so will it be two down performances for him in a row? Uh, you know, in a tough matchup, it, we'll see. It's possible. It's possible. Um, so I do have Hurts at one, Josh Allen at two. I have Joe Burrow ahead of Mahomes this week at number three. He's at home. He's going up against Cleveland. He has all of his weapons. His last three games with Jamar Chase in the lineup and all of his weapons there, 32 fantasy points, 39 fantasy points, and 30 fantasy points, and that's four-point pass touchdown scoring. That looks like six-point <laughs> passing touchdown yep. scoring. Uh, but no, it's four point passing touchdown scoring. So uh yeah, like I don't think that's too crazy. You know, obviously, you know, you're starting these guys regardless in a regular league. But you know, if I had to nitpick it, I think I'm going to borrow over Mahomes this week. I think that makes total sense. And there's an argument, I think, at this point, like you said, with Jamar Chase in lineup to put Joe Burrow at QB one. I mean, the Giants Whoa. they're an all right matchup. 
you know, they're not that they're not a bad defense. Um, and Jalen Hurts divisional games tend to get a little, you know, uglier than other other games. We'll see how it goes. But and I'm not saying Jalen Hurts isn't going to do well because he's obviously been fantastic for fantasy. And Josh Allen, same thing. He can win or lose a game and still um, have a good fantasy output. But the way Joe Burrow plays, he is completely independent of rushing production, which is makes him super sustainable and super consistent. You know, when he throws and he, when he's throwing the ball, that's how he's making his money. That's what he's doing every down with the weapons that he has and the way that the offense is playing. And the same thing, they're getting some good matchups against, you know, competitive teams. There's no reason to think he can't finish as a QB1. And I actually had a post that went out over the offseason that said Joe Burrow could challenge realistically for the QB1 spot. Obviously, overall, that clearly hasn't happened because, you know, rushing quarterbacks still reign supreme. But this production independent of rushing just makes him like one of the best fantasy quarterbacks um, in terms of, you know, week to week reliability. And the floor is super duper high because of that. And the ceiling's high, too. But. With 30 points, you know, in each of the past three games with Jamar Chase, I, I think you could put him at one this week. The way the, the other matchups that these guys have are falling, I, I think it could make sense. Yeah, like, but I'll say this, though. Like, he has been in those big games. He scored a rushing touchdown in each of those games. So, right. you know, we have to kind of depend on him rushing in for a touchdown opposed to maybe Jalen Hurts, you know, just rushing for like 60, 70 yards, you know, and like that. Yeah, that is what it comes down to. What's more likely for me, and I'm I'll go with Hertz there. Um, and then Allen, you know, he had a good game too against the Jets last time around. And like I, I don't know, like it's just tough. He had that rushing ability too. More likely to score a rushing touchdown, probably Josh Allen, even though Burrow has been doing it a lot this season. Um, so yeah, like all three of these guys, you know, could potentially do their thing. Mahomes, you know, it, it kind of sucks if you're trying to make the playoffs and you're hoping for a 30 point game from Mahomes. Probably not going to happen this week, but if anyone's able, to, if anyone is able to do it against Denver, it would be Mahomes. Because and if yeah. he throws three touchdowns against Denver, at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised because he's he's the man. Yeah. Um, I got Herbert at number five here, at Tua at number six, respectively. So they're going up against each other this week, yeah. and this has a chance of being a shootout. Um, this is going to be a good game, man. I'm, I'm curious to see how the Dolphins choose to attack here. And we'll get into the running back rankings a little bit later in this episode. But, you know, are they going to try to go run heavy against the Chargers' really, really soft run defense? Or are they just going to stick to what they do best and use their weapons? Because either way, they have matchups to exploit in this one. No, oh, yeah. They have matchup advantage against the Chargers' defense by mile. Almost everybody has matchup advantages against the Chargers' defense. Um, we saw that happen with Devontae Adams. You know, they just... That's not that's not a good defense. So they allow a lot of fantasy points to the other teams. And I like this matchup, you know, because it's two high powered offenses and Justin Herbert's playing much better as of late. I like this matchup both ways. I think Justin Herbert gets the edge just a little bit um, because, you know, he's more of a big play threat, I'd say, than, you know, Tua is, even though Tua has Tyree Kill in them. But they've kind of cooled down. They haven't been using the receivers as much. I know Tyree Kill had a relatively big game last week, but before that, it was kind of middle of the pack. We'll see how it goes, but I think both of these guys are right in the same tier. You know, I, I don't have anything against Tua, and I don't have anything against Herbert. I know I, I'm actually a big fan of Herbert, so I think it makes sense to have him over Tua in this matchup. But both of them, I think, have that capability. This could be a humongous game. They could each go for 25-plus fantasy points. I can see it. I can see it. Um, I have Kyler Murray at number seven. Um, listen, man, like before the bye, you saw what he did. You know, he looked good, and it just yeah. so happened to happen – when he had all of his weapons, right? Mm -hmm. um, 
Rondell Moore went down, but then Greg Dorch kind of just stepped in, right? Um, yep. And, you know, he's – I think Kyler Murray's trending up a little bit right now, right? He's They're out of the bye. Um, we saw that big game before the bye, the bye. Not overly worried, you know, about New England, especially since this game is in Arizona. But I think with Hopkins there, with Hollywood there, you know, Rondell Moore's going to be back eventually, Greg Dorch potentially this week. Um, I think – I think – you know, Kyler Murray, you know, as long I was surprised to see him run as much as he did, you know, before the bye with that hamstring injury that he had. Like, I was not right. expecting that. I thought he would be limited a little bit and not run it. So it seems like it was a pretty minor hamstring injury for him to be only out. Like, what was it, a week he was out for? And I then think it was two he just came, I think it was two games. What's it, was it two? Yeah. He came back and he was just like running like he normally does. Maybe his strides are so small. That like he doesn't even use his hamstring, right? Maybe <laughs> he just bends at the knee and he gets propelled forward. <laughs> no, I hear you. Um, he he did miss two weeks, and you're right that it probably was a minor ankle injury. I bet he could have played that second week, but it looks like they made the right decision then in waiting that extra week to bring him back because this was even good. Like you said, going into the bye, they easily could have just took it easy on him and not drawn up any run plays, and he could have took it taken it easy on himself. You know, and not run as much as he did, but he he looked good. He looked like the Kyler Murray we drafted him to be, which we hadn't seen pretty much all season. So that was really good. Of course, they go right into the bye after that. So hopefully the momentum can carry over. But like you said, he has all his weapons. DeAndre Hopkins is there. Marquise Brown is healthy. And he could have had an even bigger day last week. If you notice last week, the last time they played, obviously it was against the Chargers. The offense kind of stalled on the last three drives. They had like three chances and they went three and out in all those drives. If they take one of those, you know, and move move the ball with it somehow, he could have had an even bigger output. So I love Kyler yeah. Murray going into this week. Um, I do think he falls kind of below Tua and Justin Herbert and, you know, the rest of the usual suspects at the top just because Tua and Justin Herbert have that perfect matchup. And New England's defense is a little bit stingy, but I think Kyler Murray can get it done because this offense matches up well with the playmakers on the Patriots defense because, trust me, this Cardinals offense, they have a ton of weapons. Geno Smith, I have him at eight against Carolina. If they don't have their primary running backs for this game, they might just put the ball in Geno's hands and let him cook. Yep. He's been cooking all year. Him and Tua have been, you know, two of the most accurate quarterbacks this year and ha- have been two of the most um, efficient quarterbacks this year. Yeah. Um, I'm, ta- I'm been, pausing there because I'm getting phone calls. I'm trying to that's like, fine. that's been <laughs> trying to that's figure been, out what I'm doing here. Yeah, that's been the name of Geno's game, you know, this season, just being efficient. But he's also been a playmaker. You know, he has playmaking tendencies at times, and he's also just been super efficient on top of that. So you don't have to worry about Geno Smith. He's one of the safest starts, I think, especially going against Carolina. They do have a decent defense, but um, it, it seems like Geno Smith is capable of getting it done against anybody. He's not really dependent on any type of matchup. He's going to have a good game regardless. And with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett playing the way that they are, I'm not worried about him. Like you said, especially if this goes into a game where they're leaning away from the run, like this could be a high volume passing game for Geno Smith. And that bodes well as for his fantasy prospects. Kirk Cousins at nine against Detroit. I have Goff at 11. This definitely is a game to target this week. It's why we can feel relatively confident in starting guys like DJ Shark. Um, this yep. is one of many TJ Hawkinson revenge games. Uh, but the Lions are allowing the most fantasy points to quarterbacks this year and over the last eight, last four weeks as well. And the Vikings are allowing the seventh most fantasy points to quarterbacks over the last four weeks, including the most passing yards to opposing quarterbacks over the last four weeks and over the past, over the course of the season as well. So if you look at what Preciser has as the over-under for this game, there's, it's sitting at 53 point. It's sitting at a 53-point over-under with Detroit actually winning this game by three points. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, but another but another potential close and high-scoring game. Now, yeah. hey, man, 
They did blow out the the Lions since they come since they came out of the bye. They've been looking good, man. They yeah. were very close with Buffalo, right? They almost won that game. They could have. They, they blew they, out they, Jacksonville as they yeah. should have, as good teams should last week, right? And now, like yeah. this is this is going to be a close game, man. Like, and I think this is a division game too. Um, it's it's in Detroit, so and, this is going to be a close one. I think if the Vikings would win this, there would be a clinch scenario because last week they were waiting on a loss from Detroit to clinch the AFC North, yeah. not NFC, NFC, NFC North. So NFC I don't know. North. Maybe the Packers have something to play with it. I just saw that last week. That's what they needed. It was one of the simplest ones, and it's super early. But, you know, this has there's a lot at stake in this game. And like you said, the Lions have looked really good. I mean, obviously, they've played the Jaguars, you know, and then those kind of games. They did blow them out, though, so that's something. These are two defenses that are still bad. The Vikings, I think, more so than the Lions, which is funny to think about because this Lions defense was really bad to start the season. But I think the Vikings at this point in the season, they're allowing a lot of points, fantasy points across the board, quarterbacks, running backs, tight ends, wide receivers. They're, they're just letting it up. So I would definitely be targeting players from this game, you know, definitely. Like guys, like you said, DJ Chark, if they're on the wire and starting everybody that you can, unless it's like, you know, Alexander Madison. I'll start him. I'm kidding. You can I'm start Madison. Say, I was going to say, there's no, no way. No, no, no. <laughs> Unless something would happen to Cook. No, but you, I, don't start Madison this week just because he is a handcuff. That's all he is right now. In between these two guys, I have Tyler Huntley in Pittsburgh at 10. Um, yep. He doesn't have too many weapons outside of Mark Andrews, as we were talking about earlier, but he'll make do with what he has. He'll likely stay efficient, similar to what he did last week. Um, he has some rushing ability. Perfectly fine start for someone you know who's missing Lamar Jackson this week. Yeah, he's going to be able to fill in for you just fine. Like I said, the production that Lamar has been putting up, Tyler Huntley's perfectly capable of matching that, even exceeding it. We'll see how it goes. He's been pretty good for fantasy purposes in relief of Lamar Jackson in the past, and I'm not worried about it against the Pittsburgh. You know, they're not a crazy hard matchup for him. It's a divisional game. He'll be able to do his thing. So I think having him here at 10 makes sense. He has the upside with his legs. It might not be quite what Lamar Jackson offers, but who knows? Maybe he runs a little bit more. We'll have to see. But, yeah, he's definitely in a tier above the other guys where you start getting into that streamer territory, but he's definitely lower than the rest where, you know, you have guys like Kyler Murray and Tua and Joe Burrow residing. Like I mentioned, I had Goff at 11. Um, and then I have Dak Prescott at 12 against Houston. Uh, teams haven't really had to pass the ball a ton against Houston, and they also just haven't been giving up fantasy points to quarterbacks, the second least given up in the NFL this year. Uh, right. You know, Prescott has been solid. You know, he hasn't really needed to show much of a ceiling lately. They've just been killing teams. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, and I think this is going to be another example of that. And we'll, you'll see my running back rankings and where I have Pollard and Zeke. But, you know, Prescott, I think it's going to be that type of game where the running backs just completely take over. And, you know, they've been that team. They play defense and they run the ball. Yeah, they're, they're not asking Dak to do much. And that shouldn't be the case against the Texans. You know, this on paper looks like, oh, a super high-scoring team going up against a super low-scoring team, you know, a bad defense that allows a bunch of points. That looks good on paper, yes. But when you get into the game, if Dallas goes up quick, as teams have, like Miami went up 30 to nothing, you know, a couple weeks ago, if Dallas would go up by two or three touchdowns right out the bat, right out the gate, you know, there's no reason to have Dak throwing the ball all over the place. It's going to be a run-based game. So I think you have to temper expectations a little bit. And this whole season, Dak has been pretty much, you know, just an efficient – quality starter he hasn't had a super high ceiling he hasn't had a low floor he's been good for about 16 18 points for you this season um at least since he's come back from that injury obviously the first week was an outlier but outside of that you know you shouldn't have expectations too high or low for Dak you know what you're getting starting him he's a QB two 
um, a high end QB two with a low end QB one upside, just because of the way this offense operates. It's a run game. It's a ground first. So I, I think that him this low might feel weird with the matchup that he has, but I, I think this is appropriate. Agreed. Trevor Lawrence at 13, fine spot start against Tennessee. Uh, they've given up the fourth most fantasy points to quarterbacks over the last four weeks and over the course of the season as well. So he is right. a solid start. Like, you know, a lot of people were starting him last week. And, you know, he was okay. But we were hoping for a more competitive game against Detroit, and, you know, he would have had a better day because of it. Hopefully he's all good. It doesn't seem like that knee – that knee injury did not look good during the game. Like, when he got hurt, no. when he got hit, and he was going down, I was like, uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yeah. Like, this offense uh-oh. is in trouble. It was more he than literally... uh-oh. It was like, ugh. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. No, was, it's true. It was a bad injury. It looked like it yeah, was going to be bad. It looked bad. And he came back in the game and looked okay. He started scrambling around and all that. So um, it looks like he'll be fine. So I'm okay starting Trevor Lawrence this week against Tennessee. Um, are you still starting Dak over Trevor? Yes, right? A, a little yeah, more reliable? The matchup. Yeah, the matchup, it's perfect. You know, Dak's going to be able to get it done when he does throw. It's just the volume thing that concerns me because, you know, it could be a run game first. Trevor yeah. Lawrence against Tennessee, it, it is a divisional game, but we'll see. We have to see which version of the Jaguars show up. Uh, the one that beat the and, Ravens and, or the one that got blown out by the Lions. And which version of the Tennessee defense, too. That's true. Yeah, because so. they looked bad last week. And granted, it was against A.J. Brown in a revenge game, but, you know, we'll have to see. By the way, speaking of A.J. Brown in the revenge game, the Titans fired their GM. Yeah, yesterday. that's a little tidbit. That's interesting, man. Two, day, bad two days after A.J. Brown tore them up. And yeah. the timing is super interesting. I don't I don't buy like I, I know it's funny to talk about and it is really funny to talk about that, that you know, this happened right after A.J. Brown tore them up. But like he just signed an extension in I think it was February. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but I guess that was before the A.J. Brown trade. Right and all that, so mm-hmm. you know, that was it, it's pretty interesting. The timing, like you said, is what's really odd, and you don't you don't want to hang around on this topic too long. But the thing about it is, like, why would you do that mid season? Like, you got to be pretty damn bad to do that to your own guy, usually, you know, in the jam. Like that's that's pretty. Usually, bad. GMs get fired after the draft, and, yeah. and because throughout the entire season they're preparing for the draft. So it seems to me like they don't want him to trade any more of their best players. During the draft, yeah, he, he was <laughs> that's what it yeah, seems rubbing like. his hands together, looking at Derrick Henry, or maybe I don't know who else do they have. I mean, do they have any money? I mean, tra- oh, I mean trading trading Derrick Henry would probably be a smart move if he's able to pull it off. But yeah. like you know, outside of that, like who else would they? You know, Jeffrey Simmons even, is really the only other yeah, guy I can think, you know drawing it. significant interest. I mean, you're not trading Ryan Tannehill unless you know the trade deadline's up. You're not going to be able to get much for any of the players on that roster. Robert Woods, you're not moving. You just drafted Traylon Burks to replace A.J. Brown, who just beat your ass. So, <laughs> yeah, that, the timing was weird, but, you know, it, it's you know, just... You know, what, you know what would have been interesting? If Traylon Burks never got that concussion, caught that touchdown, and then yeah. went off to have a if huge game. he had a game, game. Matt. Mm-hmm. And it looked that like he was going to be on his way. huge for him. Yeah. Yeah, maybe he doesn't get fired. I mean, I think it would have been much more competitive, obviously. Like, even without this whole firing thing going on, it looked like, you know, I I think it's pretty obvious that they were shorthanded at receiver and that Traylon Burks was going to be a difference maker in that game. It wouldn't have been 35-10. It might have been like 35-24. I still think the Eagles Mm -hmm. win that game. But it wouldn't have been – it wouldn't have gone down the way it did to the point where you're firing your GM a couple days afterwards. My guess is that it had more more to do than that. Like, I'm not – I can't even talk right now. I I think it has more – it has to yeah. be more to that firing, you know. Yeah, obviously, every, that would be a weird. 
that would be a weird emotional decision to make by an owner. Yeah, if that absolutely. were the case. I said that's okay. what everyone chalks it up to, and it looks bad. But you do a yeah. little reading on it. We'll see what comes out these next few days. Yeah, we digress. Exactly. I'm sure Schefter <laughs> will have something on it on Sunday. At least. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> um, Derek Carr at 14 against the Rams. Uh, the Rams passing defense has been pretty bad lately. They've given up the second most passing yards over the last four weeks. Uh, they've given up eight passing touchdowns as well during that span, which is the most in the NFL. Uh, we, you know, during that span, we expect Carr to be solid this week, which means he won't. Yeah, that's uh, expectations <laughs> are not a good thing with Derek Carr. But you're right. You're right about the Rams' defense being bad. You know, Geno Smith just laid him up and served him rack of ram. You know what I'm saying? With with DK oh, yeah. rack of ram. They both they both had some. Zach. They both Zach. had some big games. So. We'll have to see how it goes. I, I I would expect Derek Carr and Devontae Adams to do their things. You know, obviously Devontae Adams and Jalen Ramsey is going to be, you know, get your popcorn out for that one because DK Metcalf and Jalen Ramsey and then Devontae Adams versus Jalen Ramsey back-to-back the same week within five days even on Thursday night. We'll see how that goes. I expect Devontae Adams to win a few matchups there. So as long as Devontae Adams is doing his thing, I think he can rely on Derek Carr. And I'd much rather rely on Devontae Adams than Derek Carr getting it done. Rack of Ram. Rack of Ram. That was Geno um, Smith. <laughs> Delay. <laughs> Ching. You know what I'm saying? Ching. With the knife. He, he was cutting him up. J- Daniel Jones against Philly at 15. Uh, he's been solid, you know, really regardless of the matchup. Uh, at 16, I have Mike White in Buffalo. Buffalo has given up seven passing touchdowns over the last four weeks and the fifth most passing yards over the last four weeks as well. Uh, and the last four quarterbacks they went up against, Mac Jones, Jared Goff, Jacoby Brissett, and Kirk Cousins. So it wasn't like, you know, any like superstar quarterbacks doing it, right? So Mike White, I think he can get it done as a solid quarterback too this week. Yeah, and you think about it, like Mike White, he's actually like Mr. Passing Yardage. You know, he's like the anti-Zach Wilson. He throws for a lot of yards. He throws it a lot. Has he he hit 700 yards in the past two games? I think he's just short. 315 yards and 369 yards. Three touchdowns over those past two games. Obviously, all three of those came against Chicago. But um, he still got it done last week against Minnesota without any touchdowns. So I I like his odds, you know, against Buffalo to have another good game. I wouldn't be surprised if he hits 300 again because these weapons, like you said, Garrett Wilson's coming on. Elijah Moore is starting to get worked in a little bit. The offense looks good. Um, It's not like this is a bad offense where you put a quarterback in and they're going to set up to fail. Mike White elevates his offense a little bit, which is which is funny to think about. But that's what he does. He's going to be able to produce for you every week. So I think that's good. I, I like Mike White at 16. He's I'm, I'd be tempted to put him over Daniel Jones because Philly is a tough game. It's a tough matchup. and he, he doesn't have a whole lot of weapons. So I might consider one New York one New York quarterback over the other, Mike White over Daniel Jones this week. Okay, I can see it. Um, Oliver Blue, thanks for the YouTube comment. Rack of Ram. Oliver prefers Ram over Rice. Huh? <laughs> Yeah, love it. I love That's it. Pretty funny. I prefer I, I prefer mixed over rice. I'm a New Yorker. I, I'll take I'll take mix over rice instead of chicken over rice. Lamb over rice. Lamb over rice. I'm really feeling crazy, but like mix over rice is what I yeah. prefer. But ram over rice, I gotta try that. I love it. I, I was about um, to say I was about to say rack of lamb, but then I was like, man, that would be CD lamb. So then I said rack of ram. That that one came in my head. So that was pretty funny. I don't know. Did you think of that on the spot, Zach? That was on the spot. That was on the spot. I didn't have that prepared or anything. It's not like sitting I, over here on my desk or something. So. That's why I. That's why. That's why we keep you around. Yeah, that's, why, that's, that, that's where you get the talent. That, that see the talent's coming that's out. It, Finally, making a contribution to this podcast, right? Finally, uh, <laughs> finally, about time. <laughs> All I do is pick apart your rankings. <laughs> that's it. Um, I, I wouldn't blame anyone if they wanted to start Mac Jones um, ahead of Mike White either. 
or Daniel Jones, to be honest with you, because he's going up against Arizona. They've allowed, yeah. they've been really bad this year, and they've allowed the third most fantasy points to quarterbacks. Specifically, they've allowed 24 passing touchdowns, which is the most in the NFL allowed. Um, so, you know, Mac Jones did really well against Minnesota a couple of weeks ago in a really, really good matchup. And this is another really, really good matchup. So, you know, Mac Jones is a streamer. I think he can get it done. Um, he was really frustrated last week, but it was a very tough matchup for him. Yeah. Um, but I think this week he can potentially get it done. This is probably the highest I've ever had Mac Jones. Yeah, I think it this year. I think it might be the highest. I I don't think he's ever cracked the top fifteen, but he's pretty pretty close this week. I I, I think Mac Jones. I would keep him under Daniel Jones. I would keep him under Mike White. I have but him I ahead of Deshaun Watson. The, the matchup makes sense. I think that makes sense. For the matchup specifically, that's why it makes sense to have Mac Jones over Deshaun Watson this week because Deshaun Watson is going against, you know, a pretty good Cincinnati defense. And Deshaun Watson, as we know, um, his balls have – the balls that he throws, I should say. Pause. But <laughs> the balls that he throws – I was, I was going to say, what about Deshaun they, Watson? They got the gravity – they got the gravity turned on like twice as oh, strong. Man. Because they were just hitting the ground in front of the <laughs> receivers like by five yards. Oh my god! I caught we myself. To... We're good. We're chilling. <laughs> so, do... so do those masseuses. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I need to see more, you know, from Deshaun Watson before I can start him. You know. Yeah. Um, I didn't like what I saw last week. You know, look what nope. Cincinnati just did to Patrick Mahomes last week right like and now you want Desha- Deshaun Watson to go into Cincinnati and do okay you know like I'm gonna wait and see personally like I'm not you know that's listen I keep going back to it it's like I know what people are thinking if you have Deshaun Watson it's like what have what have I been stashing this guy for I don't know yeah like I don't yeah. know like uh, you know if you stash it for a couple weeks like you know I started putting putting him on my waiver right wire rankings like a couple weeks ago that's fine mm-hmm. you know that's not that long because you know what the upside is. But for the whole season, if you were doing that, I'm not going to dwell on it too much longer. But I'm just saying, like, you know, that's not a reason to start him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it's just like, you know, look at your options this week and just go with your best guy. Yeah, you, you know? can and I don't somebody, think Deshaun Watson will be that guy. I, no, I Deshaun Watson isn't that guy right now. And he might not be for the rest of the season. So now, I think I have kind of – go ahead. I was going to say, I have Ryan Tannehill and Tom Brady at 19 and 20. Would you start them over Deshaun Watson this week? Tom Brady's tough. I want to say yes, but you know the offense wasn't necessarily inspiring against the Saints, and then they're going against San Francisco's defense. So I don't yeah. know if I would necessarily do that. Um, Deshaun Watson might have a little bit more upside than him, but it's just by a hair. And Ryan Tannehill, I think maybe I would. I think Ryan Tannehill has, is a safer bet this week than Deshaun Watson because Cincinnati's defense, like I said, has been playing pretty good as of late. They made Patrick Mahomes uncomfortable. Imagine what they're going to do to a guy with one game of experience, and they didn't even score a touchdown in that game against the Texans. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's move on to the running back rankings. I have Austin Eckler at number one this week against Miami. We saw what Christian McCaffrey did against them last week. I, I think it could be a similar outcome for Eckler this week. I think this is a really, really good matchup for him. Yeah. Um, Josh Jacobs at two against the Rams. Um, he's about to create, uh, he's about to fillet another rack of Ram against yeah. them. Did I do that right, Zach? I, I, yeah, I couldn't you did, do it as you good as it. you. You got it. All right. Okay. Not bad. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. And then I got Christian McCaffrey at three. Um, you know, we talked about the ridiculous usage that he had last week without Elijah Mitchell there. Um, the knee doesn't seem to be an issue for him. So it seems like these three guys are like the locked in top three going forward, you know, assuming their usage doesn't change a whole lot. It's funny, like yeah. every week we think we have a locked in top three, top whatever, and like every week it changes. But for now, it seems like these three are probably the locked in top three moving forward for the rest of the year. Yeah, I think that is going to be the case. Like you said, it's the three-headed monster right now with Eckler, Jacobs, and McCaffrey. I think you could put them in pretty much any order and have a case for any of them as the number one running back for each week. Austin Eckler, I think, is the one this week, like you said, because of his matchup, which Christian McCaffrey did really well with um, last week. And Austin Eckler is, I think, one of the premier. I think he challenges Christian McCaffrey for the best pass catching running back right now. Um, so we'll see how that goes. And Josh Jacobs, you know, he's just been on a tear. He's getting it done. As long as he continues to get his usage, he'll be good. And Christian McCaffrey, Tampa Bay isn't, it's not a fantastic defense, but it's not anything to sneeze at. They're going to be able to, you know, do some things, especially with Brock Purdy, a quarterback, it remains to be seen how they perform against a, a defense that's just a little bit better than Miami. The only guy that I could see maybe challenging, you know, for this top three, maybe make it a four-headed monster at the top instead of three would be Saquon Barkley, but we haven't seen him get that usage or have that production in a few weeks where he was being ranked that high. So I think he could challenge, um, you know, down the stretch with the Giants hopefully being competitive in the in their games the rest of the way. Um, but I don't see him, you know, maybe making that jump anytime soon, especially with Philly this week. But I think in the future we could see him kind of move up the rankings a little bit because he's been pretty uh, low these past few weeks, and you caught some you uh, caught some shade for that. I hope so because he's been really inefficient, right? Yeah. And like. That's that's his issue, right? Like all these other running backs are extremely efficient, and Barkley hasn't, you know. And uh, unless he's getting a stupid amount of volume that can mask that inefficiency, you know, he's going to be ranked as a low end RB one from here on out. And we'll and we'll get well, to him in a second. Yeah, go yeah, ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Just while we're on it, and if you want me to wait, I can wait. Let's but, let's talk about it right now. He he. Yeah. I have him at I have him at number nine. With Saquon, you talk about that stupid volume. You know, this inefficiency has only happened after he got that stupid volume um, against Houston when he had 35 carries, you know? And then since then, he hasn't topped 20 carries in the game, which maybe that's a reason. You think they overused him? You think they wore him out a little bit there? I don't I mean, know. I, maybe. As an, NFL, know, as an NFL running back, that shouldn't happen, but go ahead. It's true. As somebody, especially like him, right, yeah. who has the, the pedigree to be able to handle a huge workload – and he has, you know, he's been doing his thing. Like, but yeah, like the inefficiency is my issue. Like he had 23 touches for 81 yards last week. That's 3.5 yards a touch, you know, and that includes five catches. So yeah. that shouldn't be that low. You know, first of all, you shouldn't have that low of a yards per carry. Second of all, you shouldn't, and I'm not blaming Saquon here, right? I'm talking about the, the whole, like all of the production. The production includes what he does, what his offensive line does, like all of it, it, you know, produces that output. Right. If he was behind a better offensive line, would he be doing it better? Hell yeah. If he was, uh, if he was on a better offense, he would kill it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like 
put him in on the fourth career. Put him put him on the 49ers right now. He'd be doing Christian McCaffrey like, Yeah. Maybe, maybe better. Maybe better. You know what maybe. I'm saying? Like I, I I maybe like he's dude, he's a great talent. So like maybe the 49ers is a bit of a bad spot because you know they tend to do this thing where one week it looks like they're gonna have a lead back and then the next they have a oh I committee. guess okay, but, you no, know what I'm saying? What I mean by that is we're overanalyzing the Christian, role, yeah. the Christian McCaffrey role that he has right now. Right. Mm-hmm. Like give him that role on that team. Like just what he had last week, for yeah, example. It's, fine. it's you know also, what I'm saying? Like he would yeah. kill it. Because it's, on a better offense, like the Giants offense isn't one that's going to stay on the field a whole lot. You know, they're really just shot at receiver. They don't have anybody on the outside that's really going to challenge, except maybe Darius Slayton, the defenders on the other side. So that definitely plays a role. You know, the game script then becomes more important because if it's not Saquon doing his thing, they're not doing anything on offense. He's been able to get it done. I still think he's, you know, like we haven't ranked as the RB9. He's definitely still an RB1, but that ceiling just isn't there. And you're right. If we see that crazy volume again, you can get back up there. And I think that's perfectly well within reach. You know, that's within his range of outcomes for the rest of these four or five games down the stretch. But we have to see that before we start ranking him that high. So just that's just a little, you know, defense coming to your kind of coming to your fence kind of saying that he could move up um for having him as low as we did last week yeah i mean he moved up like four spots from where he was last week and you know and that's because i like the matchup a little bit better than i did last week but you know 23 charges for 81 yards not great but he scored so that's great and if you're playing ppr full ppr they're very solid you know last week was his first five catch a game since week one right and the hope is that he continues to catch passes out of the backfield to mask that inefficiency that he's had over the last few weeks. Um, you know, hopefully his offensive line starts to get a little bit healthier too. That could make a huge difference as well. Um, yeah. You know, I'm hoping that, you know, if Philly does go up in this game, this is a division game. It could be close. Um, but if Philly does go up, the hope is that, you know, he starts getting peppered a little bit more in the past game. Five catches? Like, that's really what propelled him in this game. And, and the touchdowns. You know, five what catches. he did on the ground. It's huge. Five catches will benefit any fantasy player, regardless of position, receiver or, you know, running back. Five catches is a recipe for at least a serviceable day, especially PPR. You know, obviously standard is a different story, but PPR, that makes a big difference. But yeah, five catches for 18 yards, four catches for 13 yards. Yeah. Not efficient. We need, we need, we need a little bit more, you know, yeah. from that. Um, yeah. So I have Derrick Henry here at number four. Um, going back to where we were, we had Eckler at one, Jacobs at two, McCaffrey at three, Henry at four against Jacksonville. Um, he might get like 400 yards against these guys. Like I can totally see, you know, him having one of those big, you know, heavy workload type of days, but we'll see. You know, maybe the Jaguars can keep it competitive and maybe they can kind of sustain some drives. That would be key, you know, for him uh, as well. And that was part of the reason why I have ETN. You'll see ETNs out of this top 10. That was one of the yeah. issues that I had there and we'll we'll get to ETN in a second. But want to talk about Ramondre Stevenson real quick. Ramondre Stevenson's usage last week without Damian Harris was bonkers, right? And that's why I have yeah. him at five. But to be honest, like even if Damian Harris plays, like I'm gonna still have him at five. Um, it's a great matchup against Arizona. Last week without Damian Harris, 98% of snaps. He ran around on 89% of dropbacks. That's bonkers. League winning running back right here. Like he's yeah, getting absolutely. you to the playoffs all year, and he's going to be a big part of you winning the whole damn thing. Yeah, and just you think about it. Obviously, you could talk about the value, you know, on that you would have 
gotten from him, especially with where he's probably drafted for you on your team. But just the way that he's playing, this offense can score 10 points. It could score 26 points. It could score 30 points, whatever it is. He's going to get it done for you. And that's what's kind of been the biggest standout thing for me with Ramondre Stevenson is that he's matchup proof and also game script proof because he just gets the targets regardless of whether they're winning, they're losing, they're in a, in a neutral game script. He just gets the targets and that's been, you know, booing his production. He hasn't been awesome or as good as he has been these past couple of weeks on the ground, but definitely has that potential in him. Like we said, the touchdown regression should be coming with him. He hasn't scored in a little while. So we'll see how, how that affects him moving forward. It can only be a good thing if he scores. And then just going back on, like you said, with Derrick Henry in his past two healthy games against the Jaguars, he hasn't played them yet this season. But last, the one game that he played last year at, you know, before he went down with the injury, he had three touchdowns and 130 yards. And then the game before that in 2020, he had that 215 yard performance. I think that's when he had that 99 yard touchdown. So just remember what, who, who he's playing against. You know, this is still Derrick Henry. Um, obviously, he was shut down a little bit last week against Philly, but this Jacksonville defense isn't going to give him as much trouble at all. You know, um, he's, yeah, I think he's in line for a really good day, like you said. So it makes sense to have him at four. And he's kind of been locked into this four spot underneath the other guys just because he's a safe start. And he has upside, but not like the other guys because of their receiving workloads. I have Tony Pollard at six this week. Even with Zeke back, Pollard – you know, isn't really taking a back seat right now. He's still getting it done, you know, and against Houston this week. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. my. You have to play him. He's in your lineup, regardless of whoever you have, whoever you else have. You have Joe Mixon, start him over Mixon. You have Dalvin Cook, start him over Dalvin. You have Saquon, start him over Saquon. You have Nick Chubb, start him over, start him over Nick Chubb. I don't care. I want Pollard yeah. in my lineup this week. I think absolutely. If he gets like 12 or 15 carries, which he's been getting. You know, obviously last week it was a little bit lighter of a workload because Dallas went up in that fourth quarter. He essentially didn't have to do anything, you know, after that fourth quarter. He scored that touchdown. But he's definitely in line for, you know, like I said, if he gets 12 or 15 touches, I guarantee you he's going to have 100 yards on the ground because this Houston defense is bad and they're not good against the run. And that's what it's been for the Cowboys. It hasn't been the passing game. Obviously, we talk about C.V. Lamb, you know, he's looking good, but it's been the running backs that have been getting it done. And it's not just Tony Pollard that's startable this week. You know, Zeke has some upside here too because they can ground and pound or they can do they can that with Zeke or they can use a lightning with Tony Pollard. He's also a good pass catcher, so he has that upside working for him. I think it absolutely makes sense to have him this high. Um, people might be a little upset at that because Zeke looks better. He's looked better as of late, but I, Tony Pollard, we know what he can do, and he's been very good these past few weeks regardless of matchup. Well, as a resident Zeke hater, I have him at, I have him at 13 this week. The highest I've yeah. ever had him over the past, like, three years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's been a long, long time. Um, but, yeah, dude, like, I, you know, he's simply been getting it done every single week. You know, he's been very consistent, and he's a solid RB2. There's no other way to say it. And this week he gets a bigger boost because he's going up against Houston. Yeah, and he's been really good. Listen, like, listen to these numbers. You know, against Philly, he had 15 fantasy points. These are PPR. And then against Detroit, he had 17. He missed two games plus a bye in between, but he came back at 17, 16, and 18. Like, you know what you're getting with him every week. And he scored at least one touchdown in all of those games. You know, so he's not getting the receiving work. Tony Pollard obviously has been taking that, but he has a touchdown, you know, floor. He scored at least one a week. The offense that Dallas has is just that good. They're in those positions, short fields. That's going to work in Ezekiel Elliott's favor too. I expect Dallas's defense to turn the ball over a couple more times. Um, take the ball from, I should say, Houston a couple of times. That's going to result in short fields, and that means all the running backs get to eat. And Zeke, he's been doing that these past few weeks. Yeah, 
Yeah. All right. Uh, let me circle back a little bit. I got Joe Mixon at seven, assuming that he's back. Um, we thought he was playing last play. week, right? We did. I was listen, man. If he misses another game, this is super, super. It, it'll be a huge. What do you call it? Um, it it, it wouldn't be um, something that happens often. Yeah, That's the word I'm looking for. It would be an outlier. Thank you, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. Um, but if Joe Mixon that's, why we, miss, that's why we keep you around. If if Joe Mixon would miss, would you say you could just slot Samaj P. Ryan right in at seven? Like the way he's been playing, yes. I think that makes you know perfect sense. He's been doing very well. Yeah. He that's exactly where he would go at seven. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, Cleveland's been one of the worst rushing defenses in the NFL, right? And then I got Dalvin yeah. Cook at eight against Detroit. I got Saquon at nine against Philly. Uh, Nick Chubb at 10 against Cincy. Um, but yeah, our uh, ETN. Had, yeah, go ahead. He, Nick Chubb had a pretty disappointing game last Very week. Disappointing. Very disappointing. Because this was like a matchup for the ages. You know what I'm saying? As far as really what, was. what he should have done. We had him ranked as the RB1 last week. And maybe it's because Deshaun Watson is quarterback. I want to, you know, chalk it up to that. But he's just handing the ball off. So I was, I was a little disappointed to see Nick Chubb. He didn't even get in the end zone, which surprised me a lot. Oh, man. It, it, it did. Yeah, it was very disappointing. The play calling was bad, but also what didn't help was the fact that, you know, the defense was scoring, the special teams was scoring. So, you know, the right. ball was out of that offense's hands a lot last That's week. That's true. But Deshaun Watson didn't help either. He didn't help sustain no. those drives at all. Yeah. Um, I have Travis Etienne at 11. This is the lowest I've had him in a while. Uh, this is a very tough matchup, though, against Tennessee. Um, my concern in this game, you know, is not only that is it a, is a tough matchup, but if the Jaguars can't contain Derrick Henry, like, will the Titans just dominate possession? You know, most maybe of this game, could. yeah, right. And the hope is that the Jaguars can score, you know, maybe through the air a bit, move the ball, you know, make this a competitive game. Vegas, Vegas has the Titans favored by only four points, so you know it's not terrible, right? Like, if yeah. that if that stays the plan, like if that happens, like that would be great for etn um also it's like etn isn't extremely involved in the passing game like he's involved but it's not like he's getting five six targets a game you know if he was i might have him up a little bit higher but uh, you know this is kind of where i have to have him in a matchup like this now with etn that big playability is still there and you know yeah you look at what he was doing before the buy you know, he was absolutely like he was extremely efficient, right? He was taking like 12 carries for like 80 yards, right? And yeah. that can easily happen against any matchup. So I'm not, you know, he's at 11 because the matchup isn't amazing. And he's had a couple of off games lately after the bye. Um, but, you know, he's due. And it's, there's going to be a game coming up where he absolutely blows up. So it's going to happen, um, you know, but this matchup, just temper expectations. Yeah, I would temper expectations this matchup too. Um, it's also confusing me. Do you think maybe like the injury that he had is like still lingering? I mean, I know they said he could come back in the last game, but he didn't get a humongous workload. Um, granted, they were down a lot, but that's the reason. That's yeah, the reason. I, I mean, they were passing the ball a ton, but he was on the field in every, for every snap. His right. lo- so, his his workload was absolutely ridiculous in terms of his time in the field. Yeah, so he hasn't he hasn't slowed down in that sense. I, I'm just trying to piece it together because like I thought. Even with them being in a negative game script, you think that would translate to more than three targets, which is what he got last week. Yeah, that was a little confusing. That I did. It wasn't. It, it wasn't confusing to me because you know he hasn't. He's been running a ton of routes this year, but he just hasn't been targeted. Now, if you look back in the entire season, it's confusing because it's like, dude, like 
this guy, you know, his electric with the ball in his hands, get him the ball. You know what I yeah. mean? That's the confusing part of it overall. I wasn't confused. I, I wasn't surprised that he, he didn't get a lot of targets in this game because he just simply wasn't getting targets the entire season when yeah. they've been down. I, um, I think that's problematic know, when you have a guy like him in the backfield. Like what Trevor that Lawrence, that's, that's your boy, Trevor. That's your boy from Clemson, dude. Like you guys were were crazy in you know in the passing game. Like he caught so many balls and like he was super efficient. So you know what's right. up. You know, get him the ball. Like on the year, you know, he only has eight percent target share. You know, on a per route run basis, only fifteen percent. That's not high. Um, so you know, something I feel like they could do better. And uh, yeah, that's that's part of the reason why ETN you know doesn't have. Um, as high of a floor as these other guys uh, because of that. Uh, but yeah. we know what his ceiling is. And, you know, we know he's like a DeAndre Swift type player, right? I have him, I have DeAndre Swift right under him at 12. Um, you know, he's back here as a low end RB1 against Minnesota. High scoring game. Minnesota has allowed the most fantasy points to running backs over the last four weeks. Um, Swift is back in the role we drafted him for. We talked about him at length yesterday and the day before. So, you know, he's back in, you know, gotta have him in your lineup territory yeah there's no reason not to have deandre swift in your lineup anymore you know obviously a couple of weeks ago was a very different story but we said last week we saw that little uptick and then this week this past week you know he went off so he should be right back in that role and like i said this is where we would have had him all season assuming he had this role if he was healthy you know and nothing happened with the injury but um that you gotta like where deandre swift is at as far as his workload goes i think him as a low-end rb1 makes sense and I think that's, you know, really what you can expect from him as a floor each week, as long as he stays healthy. Agreed. Um, I have Zeke at 13. Talked about him already. Miles Sanders at 14 against the Giants. James Conner at 15 against New England. Like, I was going back and forth between these two guys. You know, actually, I'm going to go Conner. Connor, put Conner at 14 and Miles Sanders at 15. Um, yeah. If Zeke didn't have a stupid good matchup this week, I would probably go Connor over Zeke as well. Um, but but yeah, like Connor just has a high floor, especially in PPR leagues. Um, he can blow up like with his role that he has, like he's playing every snap, he's running around on every drop back. He has one of the best roles in the NFL right now, um, over the past couple of weeks. So um, you know, he's he, the Patriots haven't allowed a ton of fantasy points to running backs. However, his role trumps that. So he should be yeah. in lineups this week. I would play him over Sanders. Higher floor, higher ceiling. Yeah. Yeah, Miles Sanders, he's had like two really good games this year, and then the rest of them, he's just kind of been quiet. And that's not his fault. You know, Jalen Hurts obviously having an MVP candidate at quarterback will limit your opportunity in the you know scoring department and yard racking up department, however you want to call that. But I, I just don't trust Miles Sanders on a week-to-week basis enough where, you know, I feel like if you start him every week expecting what we saw last week, you're going to get burned a lot. Um, it's that inconsistency that would – you know, have me put Miles Sanders beneath James Conner because James Conner has been the opposite. You know, maybe he doesn't have 30-point ceiling, but James Conner has a ceiling and the floor, like you said, to match that are just a little bit higher than what Miles Sanders offers on a week-to-week basis in terms of consistency. I like James Conner as a consistent running back, consistent contributor. That's what I'm going for at this point, you know, at running back. If he's your RB2, you know, you're set. That's exactly what you need. I got Jamal Williams at 16. Uh, even though Swift had a few more carries, you know, than Williams last week, it's really all about that goal line role for Williams. Like 20 or 30 more rushing yards, you know, on the ground, like it's not going to make a huge difference, right? That's not why you were starting him to begin with, you know. Right. So not so much has changed with him. Um, so I'm now I'm starting Swift over Williams. 
but you know, and that's assuming Swift's role doesn't change or get better, but that still doesn't mean that I won't be starting Jamal. Jamal literally has been at this spot around 16, you know, over the past couple of weeks. Yeah. Plus you have ta- get tackled at the one machine. I'm on Ross St. Brown on that offense. Right. too. You know, the it's rest of the offense again. is very good. So if I'm on Ross St. Brown's going to keep getting tackled at the one, you know, Jamal Williams, he's just going to have two touchdowns delivered to him like DoorDash. So I think that I think he's in line. You can still start him just because DeAndre Swift has come on. You know, Jamal Williams isn't necessarily, you know, a bad start anymore. It's not like you're just fading him out and he's not going to be a contributor for you. He has that goal line role still, which is super valuable in offense that, like we said, has been scoring a lot of touchdowns these past few weeks. I got Raheem Mostert at 17. Uh, He was the flavor of the week for Mike McDaniel last week. And these running backs have a good matchup against the Chargers. So there is some upside here. Uh, I even have Jeff Wilson at 20. You know, that might be be a little bit high. You know, but it's possible that we see a closer split this week, given how much the Dolphins might want to run the ball against this very yeah. vulnerable Chargers defense. Um, there can be room for both. Um, I think Jeff Wilson is really like a boom bust play. I think his floor is like zero, right? Because yeah. Mostert was very saw that last week. favored <laughs> last week. He was very favored, right? And oh, that's true. Jeff Wilson did have a floor of zero because this but the the thing with that is like they didn't run the ball that much at all like they just no. went past heavy um i think they combined for less than 10 carries if i'm not mistaken but this week they could combine for like 35 right that yeah. could happen this week so that's part of the reason why i have both these guys in the top 20 but if i'm going to play one i'm just definitely going to be Raheem Moser right now yeah the 49ers defense will make you do some weird things even mike mcdaniel you know what i'm saying this offense has been good it just looked like it was shut down nothing was working last week um i wouldn't pay too much attention to that you know it was a bad performance by these guys but i think even though their ceiling isn't what we'd seen the weeks before that their floor is also not going to be that bad on a week-to-week basis like you said especially in a matchup against the chargers maybe season long you could worry about jeff wilson but in a matchup against the chargers i think they're going to use them both you know they're each going to get their touches to the point where they're going to be able to produce and be rb2s if you absolutely need them i still think jeff wilson i still like jeff wilson a little bit more um then Raheem Mostert, we'll see how that goes. Obviously, it's just been kind of you know flip-flopping back and forth. But I, I trust Jeff Wilson, I think, a little bit more to be on the field than Raheem Mostert. We'll see how it goes. Um, but I'm neither just of these gonna guys start, have... I'm Go just going to start whoever was was getting more playing time the week before. Yeah, that, that makes like, sense. That's... that's one way to play. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's one way to play. Because yeah. momentum, I guess, does work. You know, in this in this case, with these backfields, it's always fluid. You never know who's going to get how many touches or whatever. But um, it's a good offense on a good... Now, I, in a good matchup, so I think you could start either of them and be just fine. I'm not expecting Jeff Wilson to put up point three again like he did last week. No, no. Um, Zoneman Knight at 18 against Buffalo. I, I think regardless of whether Carter is back this week, I'm going to have him here. Uh, not saying yeah. that Carter won't get touches, but just saying that I think Knight will get a similar workload regardless. Um, and that's assuming there's rational coaching here, uh, but we'll see. Like, I'm willing to take that shot. You know, because I think there could be some upside. I think the Jets are going to score. I think they're going to move the ball. I think Zonovan Knight's going to be a big part of that. Um, so, you know, I, I'm assuming, you know, it's very possible Carter doesn't play this week, but we'll see. Um, let's wait on that practice report. I'm going to I'm gonna check on that right now. Yeah, I, I think Zonovan Knight's a good play, like you said. We're to the point where it doesn't look like Michael Carter's return is going to influence his workload as much. Regardless of who he's working against, he's going to be splitting it, but he's still going to get touches to the point where he's not being phased out. They're not going to lean heavy into Michael Carter and give him all the touches. Zonovan Knight's going to be on the field enough where he's going to get the workload to be producing at this you know mid-RB2 level like we have him ranked this week. And I think he can be that the rest of the way. 
And then maybe, you know, they're continuing to be impressed by Zonovan Knight. Maybe rest of the season, he could slide up in the rankings a little bit more just because he's been he's looked pretty good in the games where he's played. Obviously, it's been with Mike White, a quarterback. It remains to be seen how he would have played with uh, Zach Wilson under center. But chances are it would have been not we, very we have a but, We have an update. All right. Michael Carter is going to be is going to be practicing in full today, and Robert that means he's going to play. Yep. And Robert Sala was asked about what that means for Bam Knight with Michael Carter back, and I quote, "He's not going anywhere." There so, you go. there you go. Okay. Cool. Michael Carter is not a take seventy percent of the snaps running back. He is exactly complimentary. He'll work with Zonovan Knight, and they're both talented. You know, Michael Carter can do his thing. It's just that Zonovan Knight has come on to the point where now you can use both of them, and you'll be good. So I think Zonovan Knight. I would leave him here. Does Michael Carter go up in the rankings for you at all? No, like I think he. You don't think he's top thirty with Zonovan Knight at eighteen? Um, let's see. That's a good question. I know I'm putting you on the that. spot with this one, but no, I'm, that's I'm okay. I, I love it. That's what I live for, dude. That's why I love it, bro. That's what I do, bro. Um, <laughs> I would say, yeah, I would say let, let's put Michael Carter above Latavius Murray. Let's put him above J.K. Dobbins. Let's put him above Devin Singletary. And we're talking full PPR here. Yeah. Um, do we want to put him above Cam Akers? Maybe. I would say around that 28 through to 30 range. Yeah. Yeah. I would yeah. say he's a solid RB3. I think he's absolutely over Latavius Murray, absolutely over J.K. Dobbins, just because I think his workload's locked in. You know, obviously Latavius Murray, I guess you could say he has his workload locked in somewhat, but Mike Boone was playing a little bit last week, and obviously that Broncos offense is terrible. So I, I think it makes sense. You could slide him in right around there. I wouldn't put him over down to Foreman, but um, yeah, I, yeah, I think that makes sense. Okay. But that's a good cool. call. Nice. Um, Pacheco, I have him at 19 this week, um, you know, against Denver. If the Chiefs are smart, uh, you know, I know they have Patrick Mahomes. I know they want to prove that that he can get it done against any defense, but they will depend on the ground because that's how most teams move the ball against Denver. And there's a good chance that Pacheco can get some volume this week. So I do like him as a solid RB two this week. Yeah, I, I think he can get it done. He's looked like he's able to, you know, do his thing against any team. It's not like it's going to be matchup dependent. He looks. They could be able to get it done. He's still not going to have upside that's going to get me to the point where I'm ranking him higher than he is right now. I think this is as high as I would have him. Um, it might be bordering on just a little bit too high, but we'll see. Um, I'm not a humongous fan of his role just because it's very limited, You know, especially with Jarek McKinnon getting a couple touches last week. That was a little interesting, but could be a week-to-week thing. I'm not buying too much into that. Just remains to be seen. I want to see him you know, have higher output in this offense because at the end of the day, it's still a pass first. Patrick Mahomes is going to be doing – the majority of the work in terms of fantasy lifting, you know, this offense. So I'm okay with them here, but I'd, ex- I'd temper expectations for him. It's Denver. They're obviously they're not as good against the run as they are against the pass, but I, I would temper expectations. Top 20 play this week. All right. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I got Jeff Wilson at 20. Like I mentioned before, uh, Fournette at 21 against San Francisco. This is a tough matchup, right? But assuming you play in a full PPR league, Brady is going to dump it down to these guys. And I have Fournette higher than Rashad White, who I have a few spots down at 24. And that's because Fournette played more snaps. He was a primary goal line guy. Um, but if the usage is similar to last week, then there, they, there can be somewhere between 10 and 15 points because of those dump-offs in PPR. Like, if I play in a standard or half-point league, like I'm a little bit, you know, I'm going to rank these guys a lot lower, 
yeah. um, because they're not going to be efficient on the ground. They haven't been so efficient on the ground. They weren't efficient on the ground last week. Well, the Fournette was, but Rashad yeah. White wasn't. Um, but yeah, so I have Fournette a couple spots above him, but they're both, I would say, low-end RB2s this week. Yeah, it's been the story, you know, for the Buccaneers running backs the whole season. They kind of just, you know, beat each other up in terms of their production and you know, they're not going to be able to, you know, break away from one another in terms of their usage and production. But I'm not a big fan of this matchup because we saw what the 49ers did to the Dolphins running backs. And the Dolphins running backs, they're not bad. You know, they're not necessarily, I don't think, the level of Leonard Fournette and Rashad White, but still definitely something to consider with their matchup. I think it makes sense to have them this low. Um I don't know if I'd have him higher in a neutral matchup. We'll see because this offense still has looked bad. But um, I, I wouldn't expect too much from these guys this week. And I think that's why we have them as well. Yeah, I think you're right. I would, they would be around here regardless, I would say. All right. um, yeah. Uh, James Cook is at 22 against the Jets. Um, this is an upside play, honestly. Like mm-hmm. It's possible that we see another three-man backfield in terms of snaps like we saw last week. Uh, but who knows? Like you know, If Cook can lead this backfield again, then you know he could do some things. The hope is yeah. that he does and that he can gain a larger portion of the opportunities. He had 20 opportunities last week. Singletary had 15. But the hope is that there's a higher differential in this game moving forward if you're going to expect Cook to be someone that you can depend on every single week, right? Um, yeah. There's not going to be 35 opportunities every week for these running backs. Like, that's not what we're used to in this backfield. So, you know, I have Singletary down here at 28. I'm probably moving him down to 29, moving Michael Carter up to 28. Um, you know, given the fact that he's going to play this week. But I'm not, you know, uh, Singletary's only in the top 30 because he plays on a good offense. He's, he's going to get like, you know, probably like 40% of the snaps. Yeah. And we've seen Devin Singletary kind of take that goal line role a little bit, you know. Yeah. Um, with Josh Allen, obviously, is a threat in the ground, ground game to run in from that distance too. But when they hand it to running back, it's usually Devin Singletary. James Cook, yeah. this is definitely, like you said, an upside play. This is assuming and hoping that he can hold on some kind of role similar to what he got and, and, and last week. And look who I had him, have him against uh, ahead of, right? Like guys who don't have upside, <laughs> like Damian yeah. Pierce, you know, Rashad White, Najee Harris. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, you know, the guy that I have, you know, uh, behind them is not Deontay Foreman, you know, who I think has uh, upside, even though he's also a boom-bust play. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, you know, well, he pro- like who knows? Like, if the Seahawks go up big, will he get volume? Maybe not. Yeah. You know, I, I think he's still worth playing for the upside, though. Yeah, with James Cook, that's what it is. You look at it. It's like if you look at the performances that the other guys we have below him had last week, Damian Pierce had a relatively quiet game. He looked better than he has recently, but a relatively quiet game. Rashad White, same thing. Um, he He's going to be relying on that touchdown. Najee Harris, you know, he had his token 10 points, and Deontay Foreman was on by. James Cook just had a good performance. If you're picking between James Cook and any of those guys, you know, James Cook looks to be on the upswing maybe. Are you really going to start any of those other guys over him at this point to get you maybe into the playoffs? You know, I, I don't think so. No, if I'm if I need upside, I'm also starting. I have Deontay Foreman at 26. I'll start yeah. Deontay Foreman over Najee Harris. I'll start him over Rashad White. I'll start him over Damian Har- Damian Pierce if I'm looking for upside. Yeah, and that might you know? be what you're swinging for. Like we said, you know, if you're trying to get into the playoffs, you know, last gasp. I, I think Deontay Foreman could be a, a decent play, even though he's ranked at 26. You know, I think he could definitely outperform that. That might be a little bit conservative actually, but the way Seattle's defense, you know, has been playing. They kept it, they let it be competitive against the Rams, and Cam Akers scored two touchdowns, so just something yeah. to note. It, you know, it was a divisional game, you know, so yeah. I can see that, um, but Seattle, you know, they're fifth in the NFL in points per game, so if they go up in this game, 
then it's very possible we don't see Foreman do his thing. Like he did his thing against two teams that don't score a lot of points, Atlanta and Denver. So and yeah. then Seattle, you know, is a high high powered offense. So that's my only concern with Foreman, but he could still get twenty three carries for one hundred and twenty yards and a touchdown. Like that's right. in the realm of his possibility. I don't think Najee Harris has that in him this week. Rashad White has that in in him this week, or Damian Pierce has that in him this week. We'll see. I mean, Dallas, I wouldn't put it past them. You know, they're not perfect against the run yet, even though they've kind of you know bottled the guys up these past few weeks. They're not perfect. Dude, Dallas is gonna blow out Houston so bad that it's not even funny. Please don't say that. No. This is like Zeke's going to old... have two touchdowns. Pollard's going to have two touchdowns. Davey Pierce is going to have seven carries this week. This is like the <laughs> ultimate trap game. That's my only worry because it's also the Texas Bowl. It's like, oh, my God. And like we said, we talked about point differential. Dallas is number one and Houston's 32. It's like the stars are aligning for a massive flop. <laughs> but we'll Good. see. I, I trust Dallas. I think this is a game that they're going to win pretty easily. That's why it's not hardly being broadcast. If you watch, I saw a TV map of where it's going to be broadcast. It's literally Texas. <laughs> and the rest, of the, the rest of the United States is getting other games. So we'll see how it goes. Hopefully, it's just something we don't even have to you know, mention or think about this week. K-Makers, I got him at 27 against Vegas. I don't trust this backfield just yet. Um, he's still like a high-end RB3 flex play. You can play him 70% of snaps last week. We'll see if the game stays close. He could get some volume. But, yeah. Yeah. At least the the we will know. Hopefully, we we get a, a two game sample now with Acres as the lead, and you know that he's going to be the guy moving forward. But we'll no, that just means Kyron Williams is not going to get the touches. We'll see how it goes. This Rams offense is bad. I'm not expecting know. too much. Even if he does get all the touches, you know the ceiling is very noticeable with with Cam Akers. Two touchdowns is not going to happen every week, and he only had sixty yards to back that up. Yeah, agreed. Um. Devin Singletary, so I had Michael Carter. We're putting him around here, 27-28. And then Devin Singletary, J.K. Dobbins, and Latavius Murray to close it out. J.K. Dobbins, you know, I'm assuming that he plays this week um, after being close last week. But this backfield is very hard to trust. He's just like an upside flex option. You're kind of hoping that he rolls in for two touchdowns pretty much. But He's a desperate, desperate start. (laughs) I would say say so. Okay. I think we're going to call it here, guys. Uh, Appreciate everybody listening. As always, thank you so much. You guys are the best. Like this season has been so much fun and, um, you know, just love having you guys here and joining us on the podcast. Um, we'll be back tomorrow at 9 a.m. Eastern time right here on YouTube. Um, and we'll be going over our wide receiver rankings and our tight end rankings going into week 14. All right, guys, take it easy. See you later.